On today's show, Danny Green, huh? Cavs beat the Magic. Let's talk about it. This is a basketball game. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Jake Stevens, as always, is, is producing this. Evan, this was certainly a, a basketball game. Late season NBA sometimes can just yield, you know, games where it feels like guys are really just getting in cardio, but the Cavs do beat the Orlando Magic. 118 to 94 on Thursday. That puts them at 20 and 21 on the season on the road. That's their last road game of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, 51 and 31 on the year. They have a chance to get to 52 wins on Sunday in the regular season finale at home against the Charlotte Hornets. But Evan, this game, we're just going to do game awards. We're going to talk about Danny Green and we're going to talk about the the G League guys that got some minutes here but let's start with Danny Green what did you make or excuse me what did you who's your MVP I'm my MVP is Danny Green I'm giving it away who's your MVP I mean the clear-cut answer is Danny Green but if you wanted to give like a consolation prize or the MVP runner-up or in this case the Evan Mobley to Scotty Barnes in this situation um it's Isaiah Mobley. He played really well in this game. Looking at his stats now, 18 points, four rebounds, one assist, three steals, two blocks, uh, two or three from three-point range. He spoke with Serena Winters uh, during shoot-around this morning, and it was aired during the broadcast that like a lot of his time just working with the charge was really focused on and predicated on player development, and he... Didn't win any awards for his G League season, but had a pretty good year at the G League. And I think for me, just like showed some flashes. We can talk about it in the third segment, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, that that's the honorable mention. But it, it's Danny Green at the end of the day. Yeah, we'll do it. We're going to do a whole segment on Danny Green. But just to run through his stat line, 26 minutes, 8 of 14 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3. Uh, three boards, two assists, three steals, and one very vintage Danny Green uh, transitioned block shot. So... Good on Danny Green. Uh, he looked like good, honestly. And we'll get into maybe if that means anything. I want to shout out Jetty Osmond as well, because Jetty Osmond in his 22 minutes was like, no, I'm going to take all the shots. No, I'm the best player on the floor. No, I am. Tr- this is Turkish national team, Jetty Osmond. 19.711 from the I field, mean, four, six, three, four assists. Other than Danny Green, he has the most claim to fame in terms of just like playoff depth. So, like, he, Teddy Osmond's played in the NBA Finals, and as has Danny Green. So, like, he, he has a little bit of clout on this team. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think Danny Green does. I don't think Teddy uh, Osmond actually does. All right, stat of the night. Evan, 26 minutes for Danny Green. Here's why that's my stat of the night. Do you know off the top of your head, or give me, I'll give you a ballpark. If you're within 10, I'll give it to you. How many minutes had Danny Green played for the Cavs coming into Thursday night's game? He played 26. How many and on Thursday? How many did he play? For this, uh, he said you said he played twenty eight, twenty six. This is 26. so his total. His total does not include the total. I'm looking for does not include this game. This was a pre this game number. So how many games? How many minutes had he played with Cleveland before this? 
I know the last time you played was in March before COVID stuff. Um, I want to say 45. You're correct. I was going with the Donovan Mitchell number there. It's just he's played so little for the Cavs that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 45 for minutes on the year for Donovan Mitchell. He gets, to, or excuse me, for Danny, for Danny Green. He gets to 26 year, more than half of his season minute total with the Cavs to date in one single game. Uh, so good for him. What's your stat of the night? Uh, my stat of the night, I actually am updating this in real time. So let me do some mental math real quick. Cleveland's bench scored 66 of their 118 points tonight. That's that's uh pretty wild stuff. It's funny because like the one of the things about this game that I I liked that really worked to me with the bench. And I think overall this kind of bench mobby kind of thing was the pace they played with. All of these guys on the bench kind of were like I'm going to play hard, I'm going to move the ball. Isaiah Mobley I think best exemplifies that. But like everyone was kind of pushing the pace, getting off shots, getting to their spots. Like there was no like getting to 18 seconds when you cross the half court line. It was like 21 seconds and they're like initiating stuff and they're like constantly kind of moving in a way that the normal guys don't always do. And like, look, you're going to 10 times out of 10, probably 15 times out of 10, want that you, you want Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and all the guys that were out tonight. You want those guys. That's a much, that's obviously like a really good basketball team in this mm-hmm. version, like would this version that the Cavs were out tonight would be like in the Victor Wembanyama race where they play an 82-game season. But the, I, I I did like the the pace and kind of the flow they, they attempted to play. Yeah, I I do like that. Um, I think that the Cavs obviously operate under the same method of basketball, whether it's them or the Charge. But like it, it was clearly different. Obviously, there's no Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro, or Karis LeVert in this one. But it felt similar, but there was like some adaptations that the Cavs took and kind of rolled with the punches what Orlando was and wasn't giving them. And to be frank, like they're outscored 42 to 33 in the th- first quarter. I'm like, all right, this is a basketball game. I'm ready to check out mentally for a hot second, but take notes. And the Cavs made it interesting because they kind of adapted to what the Magic were giving them on uh, the defensive, like the Cavs on offense, the Orlando on defense. And it was it was encouraging, I think, is the answer I'm looking for here. And just more so, like I talked about this when they played the Magic the other night, when the Magic kind of gave them their all before they were eliminated from the postseason. Um, the Cavs kind of ad- have been, as at least as of late, adapting to the situation. And come postseason time, like that's super huge because that makes it a little bit harder to game plan for and it makes you a little bit less predictable in the grand scheme of things. All right. Uh, play of the night, I have Robin Lopez scoring a chase down block. That's it. That's the, that's the whole play. Robin Lopez chase down block. That's a good pick. End of uh, that's a great pick. Mine is just Danny Green taking and making a three-pointer soon after, almost immediately after he checks in from the bet off the bench for the Cleveland. And again, we'll talk more about Danny green in the upcoming segment or at some point in this show, but like he looked, he looked not bad in the 26 minutes he played tonight for Cleveland. I, I would go a step beyond that bad, but we'll talk about that here in a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Now, Evan, we're giving out the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week that is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. I, I think, Evan, the Player of the Week has to be Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, he didn't play in this game, but four straight games of 40-plus or more for Mitchell, really rounding out an all-NBA caliber season. 
yeah, I mean, it's a great point. He's been electric uh, all season long. He's not going to win MVP of the league, but he's going to be the MVP overall in Cleveland. And he was just electric, uh, a real hybrid on both sides of the ball for Cleveland. Remember, the Nissan Aria is the PAX pinned your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV, the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the stunningly powerful, fiercely elegant, and brilliantly fierce. It is the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Talk about Danny Green in a little more detail here. So, mm-hmm. Danny Green to me looked like he his body looked good. He looked like he obviously knows what he's going to do. He obviously knows how to play, and, and he looked like a guy that feels like he's can play some some minutes through again. I I want to. There's caveats to this of because course. this is against an Orlando Magic team that didn't play Paolo Bancaro, that didn't play Marco Fultz, that didn't play Franz Wagner. That like the Cavs kind of punted on this one as they're you know getting towards the end of the season. But like if you just watch Danny Green move. You watch how he ran. You watch how he came off the screen. You watch how he got up shots. You watch him, watch him do that transition, the block on transit in transition. Mm-hmm. That looked to me like a guy whose body feels good, who he feels good, who looks like he probably hasn't played a ton of minutes, but feels comfortable on that leg. And Evan, I think it begs the question that I don't know if he should just, I don't know if you can go as far as to just like insert him into the rotation full stop. But mm-hmm. what I do think is... If that this is a lever that JB Bickerstaff wants to pull against the Knicks in round one, if they're like, you know what, like maybe Isaac's still hurt, maybe he doesn't mm-hmm. play well, maybe you just mm-hmm. like aren't getting what you need out of Dean Wade, this would be a lever I would feel more comfortable with based on just kind of how, what we saw in these 26 minutes. I agree with you. Um, I do agree that this is a lever JB Bickerstaff's been wanting to pull for a while. He's been peppered with questions just about Danny Green's health, his availability, why isn't he playing, yada yada, so on and so forth. And I think this is just a good opportunity as well this game against Sunday against Charlotte. And so that's my caveat with this one is if let's see how Danny Green looks against the Hornets on Sunday in the Cavs last regular season home game to kind of like fully say like, okay, he is an option, but at least Based on tonight's returns, five and nine from three point range, like you said, he's a great movement shooter. Still, uh, he understands his role within the offense. He is still solid enough defensively. I think he can give you minutes. And I'm kind of throwing out the notion of Dean Wade just because Wade was three of seven from the floor tonight, and he played twenty three ish minutes. He's been kind of Cleveland's solution to Isaac Okoro being out. I just feel like when this team is fully healthy, Dean Wade won't be in the rotation. Um, and for me. JB Bickerstaff talks about wild cards a lot, like one through seven, Cleveland's rotations figured out. And I think Danny Green, at least, if he continues this level of play, maybe you check on how he's doing physically in the lead up to the start of the playoffs. Like he is that lever you can pull in the event. Like Jetty Osmond has happy feet on defense because at least, you know, Danny Green's going to understand his assignment and play mm-hmm. well on defense. And he also is a much more reliable movement shooter and doesn't need the ball in his hands nearly as much as Osmond does in order to succeed. And maybe that bumps Jetty out of the rotation a little bit if Danny Green keeps giving you a little bit of this juice that you're getting. But I think it's just like a reliable contingency plan and a good problem to have Cleveland because you already are figured out one through seven, but you're figuring out at least the eighth man on this team and maybe the ninth man as well. And that's a bit of a toss up based on what you need. And again, if Danny Green is healthy, if he is 
physically capable and as you said like the ca- the magic rather didn't play any of their key guys other than Jalen Suggs really um there's not much stock to take from this but just other than the fact that like hey Danny Green looks right physically and if he plays this well against Charlotte and again if his body feels right heading into the postseason He's another leverage JV will probably pull, especially if like Jetty is getting picked apart by Jalen Brunson in the first round and just like isolations or pick and rolls and things like that. I'm curious to see like how he would look like, you know, I'm curious to see if like maybe he plays more on Sunday and you know, I, he def- <laughs> like Sunday might just like, let, let's hit def- pause for a second. Um, yeah. I would assume, and we won't know obviously till Sunday, but like the Cavs may like start their guys and then pull them right yeah. away. Then so you're going to th- see th- like Danny Green and Jetty Osman playing mammoth so minutes this, once again. This is where I wanted to go because like I, Sunday is like if you don't play them Sunday, you're going to get them like 11 days off before the playoffs start. That's and like a long one, one. One more pause. The only reason they're really playing is because it's fan night and JB just wants to do something nice for the well, fans but, before. Okay, pulls but off. no, but. No, no, no. But even beyond like a pre- in a practical sense, if you have okay. 11 days off between when Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, these guys last played, you don't 11 days off before you're going to game one of a playoff series is like not up. So like, I think you're going to play them. Maybe it's a quarter. Maybe it's the first half. I don't know. We'll see. I, we haven't seen what he said about this publicly. We'll see if he says anything between me now and then. I don't know what he said post game or not in Orlando. I'm curious to just see like if they play them a certain amount just to get them run so they can just move it. Besides from just like the like the 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 good story about it, like I think from like a practical coaching standpoint, you want to play those guys just to like so they're not 11 days off before you get into the playoffs. Now the, the exception to that is probably Isaac Okoro, who has this knee soreness. We don't really know exactly what his status is going to be for Sunday or for the first round at this point based on what they've said. That leads me to the questions like, should you maybe just like start Danny Green on Sunday for the heck of it and just see what it looks like? I think that's worth a shot. Um, the only issue is, is to go off like your stat of the night. Um, this is the most minutes Danny Green has played in a single game for the Cavs period. Uh, he's only played 45 minutes before this game against Orlando. So maybe you don't want to set him up for total failure. And I do wonder like, if Dean Way continues to shrink, like, yeah, he's playing well defensively. He gave you seven and six and two. Maybe look at Lamar Stevens as a starting three if Isaac Okoro is still unable to go. And then maybe you seed more minutes to Danny Green in that sense. and Or you just try to run some lineups with the starting unit and Danny Green. Because I'm morbidly curious to see what that looks like. But morbidly? I just... Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Like, Danny okay. Green, obviously, like, we talk about how bio guys aren't, like, a huge impact option sure. for most teams but like Danny Green at least in theory and on paper makes a ton of sense for what the Cavs need in terms of just like depth or even the starting lineup in general but I just don't know if there's any gas left in that tank considering the injury history as of late and the age but I want to see like hey is it functional with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen because in theory yeah it is he is your fifth banana and he provides you so much spacing I think he has to keep defenses honest whether it's a postseason game or even a game against the Hornets where the Hornets may try to open the game before they uh, kind of think about how to pronounce things in French and maybe try to bring Nick Batum back as a team ambassador to make Wemby feel more comfortable. Yeah, Hornets are pretty much locked into that four seed and tankathon odds. So like, oh, I thought you were gonna say the four seed in the playoffs. I'm like, Christopher, you're lying. No, they're on. they're uh, they're ten games back. Here's this is 
God, Sunday's going to be bizarre. Neither of us will be there due to family obligations, but um, it's Easter. Um, yeah. You know, don't, don't, I'm you taking can't, the day off for family stuff. Okay. Don't say anything. Don't say anything else because if we get it, if you say anything else about like Jesus. Oh, I remember to, like, the comment yeah. from last year. So yeah, don't worry. Yeah. No, none of that this year, Evan. Just respect all religions, please. Um, the 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 Pistons are four games up on the Rockets, the worst record in the league. Houston has twenty wins and is four and is there. The the Spurs are twenty and fifty nine, four and a half back, and then Charlotte's at fourth and games back of the Pistons. God, these teams are bad. These teams are really bad. Orlando's like uh, in a in a mass with like the Wizards and the in the Indiana Pacers and the Orlando Magic. Evan, just because, like, I know, like we've said enough about Danny Magic Green twice, but um, um, Wizards, I will say the Magic Wizards, Pacers. Who's the most depressing enough? Yeah, who, who's but the who's the most? The, the Wizards are the most yeah. depressing team in that okay. bunch. At That's least the Pacers have Tyrese Halliburton. The Magic yeah. have a bunch of fun young dudes. I think they still need to kind of grow a little bit. But like the Wizards are depressing because they have Kristaps Porzingis and Bradley Beal just soaking up money and they're very comfortable well, they're, doing that they're and then talking, they're about to yeah, pay Kyle Kuzma well they're gonna pay Porzingis this, uh, they're gonna pay Porzingis Porzingis is gonna opt out and they've like signaled they want to extend him so um, it's messy out in Washington yeah I'm like looking at this top 10 it's like the Pistons it's like oh you have Cade and Jaden Ivey and like, actually I lied the Blazers are the most depressing team in the top 10 <laughs> no at least they have Dame I would like I, if I'm like dying on that ship of like, hey, like we're at not least good. they have Dame, dude. They made moves, quote unquote, to build around Dame leading into the season, yeah. and okay, they have you, the fifth worst record in the NBA. Okay, but if you're trying Dame, move on. Yeah, okay, but here, it is a bummer to watch Damian Lillard waste his career let, with Portland. Okay. But if you're one of those teams, and you're saying, who would I rather have be my franchise guy, as we're being crappy and not doing necessarily right by them, I would much rather have Dame, who had like maybe the best oh, teams that's, this year. Than Bradley Beal and I would at least just be like, eh, at least we have this great cultural guy in Damian Lillard, and like, not we're not paying Bradley Beal like for five years with a no trade clause and a trade kicker. Like at least Dame, you could probably trade him, and like you know, like if if he's like, I want to go, who is like signing up to trade for Bradley Beal twenty twenty three? Hmm. Like you in that and remember he has the to contract agree to is it. he has to agree he has to agree to it he has a no trade clause. Yeah, that's it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, good I, for him. Good for him getting the bag. I, mean, unless, I respect like, it. I, I really don't know unless like the Pelicans do something weird or maybe the Lakers do Laker things and like, but like their their chip was the Russ contract and that's gone. So. That's a really good question. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's bleak. But Evan, let's go into break. Let's come back. Let's talk about the G League guys. Sure. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are thankfully almost here. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All I got to do is download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's, it's safe, secure. And super easy to use. And then you can find out everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. They'll have Cav Nick's odds. They'll have props for the series. They'll have all kinds of really fun stuff once that series gets locked and the regular season's over and we know when it's going to start and all of that fun stuff. And remember, FanDuel will let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets 
You go to FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn. That is FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports and betting partner of the NBA. All right, Evan, here's the G League guys that uh, guys who were in the G League with Cleveland this year and saw some minutes in this game. That is Isaiah Mobley on a two-way contract, Mamadi Diakite on a two-way contract, and Sam Merrill, who signed a multi-year deal with the team, was the team's was the Chargers' number one overall draft pick, spent a bunch of time in the G League. I think Isaiah Mobley clearly was the most impressive of the three. Yeah, it, it's him, then Mamadi Diakite and Sam Merrill in that order. Um, I think Diakite and Mobley make a little more sense just because they've been around the Cavs more than Merrill has, other than Merrill being like a practice body with the charge, seeking, being utilized in scrimmages with the Cavs. But yeah, Mobley was, that's why I said like, yeah, he if it's clearly Danny Green was the best player for the Cavs, but Isaiah Mobley performed really well. And I'm willing to go out on a limb here, just how expensive this Cavs team is. Mobley, if he can kind of sustain this level of play, whether it's the defense, the playmaking, the the scoring, especially in terms of the perimeter shooting, like that slides in pretty nicely as like your second, possibly third big, depending on how bench lineups shake up next year, just because you need to kind of come up with options other than like Ed Davis, Robin Lopez, shoot even Kevin Love at times. But like obviously your big man stable is Mobley and Allen, uh, Evan Mobley and Allen, but like Isaiah is playing well enough. You're like, yeah, he could be the third, fourth big, depending on what they do in free agency. And that mix there, that kind of just rounds out the back end of the rotation for Cleveland. And he he does a lot of, I mean, you can tell that he's siblings with Evan Mobley because they have pretty similar games at, in some aspects, but there's enough differentiation between what Evan brings to the table versus what Isaiah brings to the table that you could get a little variance there. And like he, he was very, like, as you said, he performed very well in terms of just like the quote unquote G league guys out there. What I, what I liked about his game more than anything else was the fact that he just kind of, he, he plays in a way that is naturally sort of additive. I think on offense, when he gets the, he's done this in the G league. He did this at USC as well. One of the things he does that I, th- I think translates and I think works is he, he like seeks out ways to, the ball so when some centers when they get the ball above the free throw line they will like just panic and like flip it right back to like the lead guard and then maybe set a screen or maybe they go down by the block what he does is he looks for dribble handoffs he 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 will protect the ball with his outside off hand go to one way or the other to look for the dribble handoff or he'll go set a screen for someone like he keeps things moving when things can get really gummed up you know he takes the threes that's interesting enough um you know made two of them in this game He's like a little light as a rebounder. It it seems like you know he's he. I think he could he would kind of stand to add a little bit of bulk if he's going to be a, a backup five in the league. I think he's certainly got to be in the running next year to be you know the to to be the backup to Allen and Mobley is kind of the the center option. And I think that's kind of clearly a need for this roster to some degree. And if he could be that, that would be like a really good cost alternative. I think that's a great call. But I th- I think he does need to get a little bit bigger. But he he is the one Evan out of anyone we've seen. On two ways this year in the G League this year, he's the one that if I were to say, okay, I had to place a wager and say this this guy might be able to be an this guy could be an NBA rotation player. If I had to, you know, bet my credibility in that, he'd be the one that I think feels the most likely to maybe turn into a guy that's like an eighth, ninth, tenth man on a team. Yeah, I agree with you, and there's more opportunity to grow. I think 
obviously having his younger brother on the roster certainly gives him a little bit more clearing space, but Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, like he could kind of fit into that role where he may not play on a night to night basis, but if you were to call on his number and say like, Hey Isaiah, we need you to come out here and do X or Y or Y or Z. He'll provide you that. Like, I think he is aware of what he is as a player, but there's a little opportunity for him to grow just because he is a rookie, technically speaking. And that 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 is kind of that that's exciting to think about and i think just if you're the Cavs, you kind of have to really utilize your g league team to develop some of that back-end rotational talent whether it's isaiah mobley or even sam merrill who they committed money to uh towards the end of the season just to keep him in house and maybe get him more familiar with the Cavs coaching staff because he wasn't here for Cavs training camp because he was drafted by the charge and you have to just kind of be creative with this stuff and he's not going to play 29 minutes any other circumstance. Maybe he does against the Hornets on Sunday. But other than that, like he's not eligible to play in the playoffs. He is an Isaiah Mobley. Um, he is done after Sunday, more or less. So like if you get enough footage just to kind of figure out, like, okay, this is where he's at. And it's interesting because Brendan Yu, uh, general manager of the charge, said like 10 pulls for success for him or just like, not just counting stats, but the more like cerebral ways he impacts the game. Mm-hmm. Like how does it like affect winning, which isn't like a metric you can track, but it's something the Cavs just across the board say and like how do players impact winning? And maybe it's just like the hustle plays or the little things like that where they just really find unique ways to use them. And then they're like, okay, Isaiah did a lot of good things in the G League this year. He did some good stuff for us towards the end of the season against Orlando and Charlotte. Now let's look ahead to next off season and. I think like like Lamar Stevens or Dean Wade where like they told him like hey we need you to get more comfortable handling the ball if you're Lamar or just playing the three in general if you're either of these players like obviously Mobley's not gonna have that path but like they'll give him like some clear homework assignments to work on because there's a good chance he'll probably just sign a regular contract with the Cavs this upcoming off season and then just become like that eighth ninth tenth man in the rotation and there's still opportunity for him to grow maybe learn what he fully is as a player and that's a good spot to be in if you're cleveland and at least compared to like luke travers and khalifa Jop, like that's a good way to utilize your second round picks just as we wrap up here Evan, just i want you to rank the names no analysis just vibes here's the i'm gonna give you four names you tell me who these guys you would you would bank on being an nba rotation player We've already touched on one of them, Isaiah Mobley, Mamidi Dikite, Sam Merrill, and Sharif. Can you ask the question you, again? I'm thinking wanna, about we're it. Going to rank these four guys in terms of their how likely you think it would they would be an NBA rotation player at some point in their Isaiah Mobley, Mamidi Dikite, Sam Merrill, and Sharif Cooper. Isaiah Mobley, Mamidi Dikite, Sam Merrill, just because of the shooting, and then Sharif Cooper. That's, I mean, I think you listed them in that order. That's the order I'd go with. I would go Mobley. I would go Merrill. I would go Diakite. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I am not. I think Diakite serves a purpose. He yeah, but like, is he good the, at he's, 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 is just, he, is he good at anything? No, like but Merrill, he's just like an energy big, and like that's. Yeah, I just useful I think, when you're in the same division as Giannis, in the same conference as Giannis and Embiid and. Yeah, God, I, who knows I what happened? Wembenyana, if he ends up with the Pistons. Yeah, I guess, but it, I, I don't think, I just don't. I, I look at Merrill and it's like, okay, he has a plus skill. I could see like the way he plays. It's like budget Luke Kennard. I think the way Isaiah Mobley plays is like budget Isaiah Hartenstein. 
Like I, I look at Diakite and it's are, like those I, are good comparisons. Yeah, and I look at Diakite and it's like I don't totally know like what your scalability sort of is if I'm asking. Beside the fact that he plays hard and that stuff, I, I there's some of that that is interesting. And Lamar Cooper is like pro- with maybe a touch better shooting. Yeah, I don't even think the shooting's really a thing. He's just like bigger, and like Cooper is like probably like the 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 biggest like bucket of all of them, but he's like a small guard. And that's like, he's had a get a great G league season. Bummer for him that he didn't get like a 10 day, but like when you're a small guard, that's just like a, that's it's hard. Place to like I, really I don't, hard. I don't see a tangible or viable path rather for Sharif Cooper playing for the Cavs, but he played really well for the charge this year. I do know like he learned from Mike Garrity to f- be aggressive on offense and roll with the punches of some turnovers, but like probably try to prioritize being careful with the ball and, I wouldn't say it's like a full blossom career turnaround compared to like what happened to him in the Hawks in the summer league or just his tenure with Atlanta in general. But like Sharif Cooper showed some chops at the charge and I think at least has enough staying power to stick in the league, whether it's a G league as a call up at one point or with some other team on a training camp or summer league. We'll end there. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Demerol. Back on Monday, we'll talk about the cast season finale and then it's deep into playoff prep until then. Have a good weekend. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. If you're a good